Welcome to the Lisa Wexler Show podcast. Think of it like a magazine or a box of chocolates. You never know what you'll get. From politics to pop culture, healthcare to legal issues, it's all here. And my behind-the-wheel chats are personal observations created especially for you on podcast only. Enjoy. Spring is my favorite time to start a new workout routine. With the weather warming up, it feels easier to get into the rhythm of things. Whether you have 20 minutes or an hour for a Pilates class or outdoor guided walk, Peloton has everything you need to help you get going. Get a head start on summer with Peloton at OnePeloton.com. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Winston Preparatory School is a leading school network for students with learning disabilities. Learn more about Winston Prep and register for an open house at www.winstonprep.edu. One of the things we love to do, I personally love to do, is two things. Number one, speak with young people about what's going on in their lives and be inspired by what's going on in their lives. And when what's going on in their lives has something to do with science or innovation, I'm completely jazzed. And uh, so joining us right now and in studio right now are Addison Marino. Hi, Addison. Hi. How old are you, Addison? I'm 10. 10-year-old Addison Marino, and also Nick Briere, is that right? That's right. Nick Briere, and Nick, you are the organizer, the director of the Connecticut Invention Convention, executive director? That's right. I'm actually, uh, believe it or not, a graduate of the program as well. So, are you? Uh, yeah. How long has the program been around? <laughs> it's, it, well, it was founded in 83, and I participated, I started in 1998. How marvelous. Are you a science teacher? No, I'm not. Actually, it's interesting. Every Everyone in my family kind of pursued the uh, pathway of science and engineering, except me. I, I studied English literature in school, but I think that kind of, in a way, is emblematic of Invention Convention being this program that's accessible and engaging for people that m- maybe aren't STEM minds, right, but, but still have great ideas and innovations. So. so tell us about the convention. What's it about? Where is it held? Who gets to apply? Yeah, absolutely. So... Um, the Connecticut Invention Convention, about a quarter of the state is going to go through this program at one point in their K-12 career. So about 11,000 kids have participated this past year in school, out of school, uh, in summer camps and boys and girls clubs. Uh, 89% of inventors in this program this past year came from below median income communities. So it's also um, an organization that is really accessibly uh, deploying its programs to students that might not otherwise have the opportunity to have a STEM experience. Um, but our, our program really starts with uh, stories like Addison's. You know, uh, I like to say that Invention Convention is is less so a series of steps, more a beginning point and an end point. And the beginning point is a student that has a problem in their own life. 
and the endpoint is a student who's created an invention or a product to solve that problem. And what happens in between looks different for every inventor, every classroom, every educator and facilitator. And I think that's what really makes it so compelling to all of its participants because, you know, as a student, it's not often you get to call the shots, um, at least in the classroom. And it, it really roots students in the experience when, when they pick the problem that they want to solve and they solve it the way that they they feel inclined to do so. So are they bringing their inventions to this literal convention once a year? Yeah, so we have a hierarchical um, competition structure in which students will compete in the classroom and then in oh. the school, and then that will go all the way up to state finals, and then we actually have national innovation competitions. And um, from our programs, a lot of students end up going to commercialize their inventions. We had a student on Shark Tank a few months ago. Uh, we have a member of our board of directors who actually took her invention that she created, a lollipop that cures the hiccups, and it's now in over a thousand CVS stores around the nation. That kills me because, you know, I invented a, a lollipop, a special kind of lollipop. I called it Medipop. Oh, no kidding. Yeah, yeah. And it was to help people. It was cough syrup on a lollipop. No, the, it's a, same But nobody spirit. wanted to build it. Well, But she, it was in my invention. I, I went to try and get it patented. Yeah, well, her, she calls her <laughs> Hiccup Pop. So, Hiccup you know, Pop. Similar spirit, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. That's wonderful. And so these inventions come. So it is sort of a Shark Tank kind of a thing. It is. It's. it's yeah, I it's, love it. It's Shark Tank meets Science Fair for kids. You know, Guppy Tank. And where is it held in Hartford? Uh, it's held at the University of Connecticut. It's typically, stores. yeah. Um, we actually have students uh, most years uh, competing in Gamble Pavilion, where the Yukon Huskies play. Yeah, that's a, that is so cool. Uh, well, I, I have to say, because I, you know, do you I, bring the husky around? Do you get the uh, mascot we, uh, too? No, we, we we haven't gotten that far yet, but you that's definitely on the list. But I got to tell you, you know, as I grew up in stores, actually, and you oh. know, you grew up in stores, you idolize the uh, the Yukon Huskies, <laughs> and so the idea of walking on the floor and being a participant in a program where I, I belong there on the floor, it was a really moving experience as a kid. It's pretty fantastic. So, Addison, what what grade are you in? I'm in fourth grade going into fifth grade. And when did you invent what you invented? In fourth grade. In fourth grade. And what did you invent? Um, it's called the all-in-one hairbrush, and it's mainly a hairbrush with a mirror on the back and hair ties attached to a binder clip on the bottom. And when if you, like, flip the hairbrush over, there is hairspray, and you could, like, switch the top so it could be shampoo. And it's for dancers, gymnasts, and cheerleaders. Did you bring one? I didn't bring it today. How come? Um, I'm so disappointed. Kind of forgot it. Oh, well, they're sold out. Sounds like me. <laughs> Are they sold out? Yeah. How many prototypes did you make of this? Um, I made one, but there, um, there's I switched um things on it, like um, um, I did use different materials for part different parts. On it. So, Addison, where do you go to school? Wilcoxon School in Stratford. In Stratford. And uh, how did you come up with this idea? Why did you decide there was this need for this? Um, I'm a dancer, and I'm going on my seventh year dancing. And dance is usually, like, after school. And my mom's a teacher, so it would be hard to get to dance on time. Um, so, and get all of the materials you need to put your hair up. So I thought it would be better if it was all in one. And it's um, you could bring it on the go, too. So if, like... Sometimes we would need to do it, like, outside of the studio if we were really running late because my mom would have meetings at school sometimes. So it would be 
we would have to bring all of our stuff, and like sometimes we would like not have enough of the stuff. So. And what kind of a hairbrush is it? Is it a flat brush, a round brush? What does it look it's like? It's like um, a flat brush. And in the future, I would like to try to get different like um, things to brush it for different hair types. Bristles, different yeah, kind of different bristles. bristles. But right now, and did you buy the hairbrush in a store or different hairbrushes and then experiment? How did you make what you made? Um, I just bought a hairbrush. And I didn't experience any other types of bristles. I just stuck with that one. And how did you attach the mirror? Um, with At first, it was actually vel um, No, it was glue. But then I switched to Velcro because it stayed on easier. Okay. And so is the mirror right on the back of the flat brush? Yeah, it is. And then what are the other attachments? Um, there was a hole in the hairbrush. It was like just kind of built in. And I put a binder clip and... Um, attached a bunch of hair ties and then clipped it to the hole. And, um, on and that's the, on the bottom, on the handle part? Yeah, that's on the handle part. Very good. So you disassemble that to brush the hair, but it's there to carry so you have everything in one place? Yeah. And um, then my grandpa actually sanded down the um, bottom of the brush because it was like kind of pointy. Mm-hmm. And then um, I got like this foam block, cut it, and put it there so that it was a flat surface for the brush, and it stuck with glue, but it, at first it was Velcro. But my sister actually tested it out, and it was wobbly, so we stuck it with glue, and it worked better. And why do you want that piece, the foam piece? What does that do? Um, it gives it a flatter surface for the um, hairspray, so it doesn't, like, so it just, like, all stays better. Okay, very nice. So it carries a hairspray on it, too? Yeah, like when you flip it over. Very nice. And have you used the brush? Is it useful to you as a dancer? It is. It is. And do your friends want one? Um, I think so. Um, a lot of my friends are actually cheerleaders and gymnasts, so I think that it would be useful for them. We're chatting with Addison Marino. So tell me what it was like, Addison, to compete with your invention and go through this process. Um, it was really, really fun. I really liked it. Um, there was... We made display boards, and that was really fun to make. And, like, um, talking about and seeing everyone else's ideas were really cool. I liked everyone else's ideas. And it was just really cool to see what everyone else thought of. And um. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Everyone knows therapy is great for solving problems, but getting therapy has its own problems too, like finding the right therapist, fitting into their schedule, and of course, the cost. Well, BetterHelp can solve those problems. It's totally online and built around your schedule. It's surprisingly affordable, too. Connect with a credentialed therapist by phone, video, or online chat, all from the comfort of your home. Visit BetterHelp.com to learn more and save 10% on your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P. Yeah. So, Nick, are these 
are these competitions based on age or are they based on category of invention? How do you decide who competes against who for what? Yeah, no, it's a, it's a really great question. So um, the, the competition itself is K through 12. And you've got students that are in second grade competing against students that are in ninth grade. You do. And, okay. and what's interesting is most people hear that and they think, well, geez, that's that's unfair. The older kids are at an advantage. But, you know, what's actually interesting is that um, we see no significant um, uh, diversion from the mean in terms of the average number of awards won by different grade groups. And I think um, there's a lot of reasons behind that. I think, first of all, judges, we have a very um, democratic judging process. So this past year, almost a thousand different volunteer judges collectively That's came beautiful. together, right? To 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 assess. And I think human beings are really good at um, empathizing and kind of understanding the different circumstances that different inventors came from and judging them against that. And so um, the other piece is that, quite frankly, and you know, this is a, a little bit uh, indicative as as we get older and, as, and become adults. Younger students see the world in a different way. They're less jaded, um, and they're more likely to challenge concepts. Mm, yeah. that, they see more possibilities because well, exactly they haven't been right. told no as much. Yeah, well, they haven't been told no as much, and they haven't, you know, as, as, we, as we get older, we start to kind of dig into these routines, and we accept certain things for the way they are. And, you know, um, broad, in a broader context, you know, um, it can be very uh, in- intimidating as an adult to challenge the norm. And um, I think uh, kids have a, a much more natural confidence and instinct to do so. And so you see a lot of really blue sky or Jules Verne-esque inventions. That's wonderful. We're chatting yeah. with Nick Briere. So speaking of that, one of the one of the existential problems of our time is how hot it is, right? Mm. The causes, the adaptations, the cures, all of it. What kind of inventions have you seen our Connecticut kids come forward to try and address that? Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting. Uh, year over year for the past five years, we've seen more inventions every year addressing this problem. Um, I think uh, one of the neatest inventions that I've seen um, coming out in, within this broader context of environmental stewardship was a, actually invention around cleaning up the oceans and ocean pollution. Tell me about it. Yeah, so... Um, the, the the presentation began by um, this young inventor asking the judges uh, how we currently deal with oil spills. And it actually just so happened that someone was a, an executive at a large oil manufacturing. Did and, he know? Uh, and they, and so they, they did know, actually. They said, yes, you know. It's um, not obvious. Right. Okay. Uh, uh, you know, we, we can burn it off or, you know, we can introduce different microorganisms that will actually eat uh, the oil. And the inventor, I'll never forget this. The inventor goes, in both of those uh, um, situations, you've just destroyed your product. And uh, the executive Ooh. kind of paused and you know, was clearly thinking about that. This inventor came up with a, a system for um, laying a form of a, a byproduct from the textile manufacturing process, a form of basalt that um, lays... Basalt? A, What's that? Basalt. Uh, oh, basalt yeah, mineral? Yeah. Okay. Um, that lays on top of the ocean. It, it's lighter than water, so it floats, but absorbs the oil because oil, of course, is also lighter than than um, water. You can ex- then extract it almost like a form a of... A sponge? Yeah, yeah, a sponge or, or an oil kitty litter almost. And you can not just reuse the product, but you can also extract the oil 
and actually reclaim your product. And I thought that was like a sponge, like Like a sponge, like like a a giant sea sponge. And then you squeeze it out. Yeah, exactly. And so, you know, is anybody using that in a commercial adaptation? Is anybody using it? Well, you know, it's just an idea now. You know, I I think it's still in the the speculative format. And, you know, one of the things I I heard you discussing earlier um, is that innovation sometimes come up against economic realities. And, you know, a really good idea isn't always commercially viable or isn't always commercially viable at that time. Um, and so I think that as um, the, our system changes, um, we're going to see a lot of innovations that at one point in time may not have made sense right. start to become really we have viable. To. Right. And I think, you know, more broadly within the context of, of climate change, it really inspires me seeing young inventors uh, like Addison, because, you know, I'm of the belief that if you look back in the course of human history, the largest problems we've had, we've innovated our way out of them. Yeah, I know. That, 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 is, that is the human mm, response to challenge. Is. Including, uh, you know, before you were born, Nick, uh, about 50 years ago when I was growing up, it was considered, pervasively considered, that the number one problem for the planet was too many people on it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, that was, we were watching all of these doomsday uh, movies about overpopulation. People were considering not having children and not because of overpopulation, not because of their own whatever, but because of the global commitment to having fewer children. And we, that you don't hear people saying that the problem is too many people per se. Yeah. The problem no- may be an inequitable distribution of resources like food, but it's not that we can't grow enough food to feed people. It's that we choose to not feed people. Well, exactly. And because, you know, a lot of early modeling um, was based around historic processes of agriculture. Correct. And as we innovated um, models that by several times. We grow over, vertically Right. Now. We have hydroponics and all different kinds of, of methodologies. And I think it will we'll prove the same um, with respect to climate change, you know, for example, we see a lot of inventors uh, inventing around this concept of not just carbon sequestration, but how do you make that an energy positive process? How do you suck uh, carbon out of the environment and then use that carbon? Like the car. Right, the exactly. The car at The Hague. Right, exactly. Like Invented the... by students in the Netherlands. Right, exactly. That's what they're doing. And, and so, you know, and I see this every day, and I have to say it really elevates me. It really inspires and reinvigorates me because I genuinely do have faith that the next generation is going to come up with concepts that we can't even dream of today that will that will not just address, you know, our, our, our climate-based challenges, but, you know, I think reverse and monetize them, which mm-hmm. is really exceptional We need that consider. optimism. Right. We do. <laughs> and I wanted to kickstart my uh, Scientific Excellence Award show. It's no longer going to be with a quarter because they're not they're not a sponsor anymore that can that can do it. But we're trying to figure out how to kickstart the program again. Because what I did for seven years was um, we had a group of judges volunteer from different areas, and we would... Um, we would get these applications in, and then the so-called award was, yes, it was a plaque and a plaque for their school, but the real award was coming on the air with me for a half an hour to talk about their research. Yeah. And this way we spread it around. Well, it's, you know, it's interesting, you know, for, for our program, um, the number one output of our program is actually an increase in student confidence. That's exactly, and, that's and, what I saw. And one of And one of the main dynamics that's contributing to that is, Students having this experience of presenting their idea. The public speaking involved. Exactly. Um, so key. Yeah, it really is. Addison, have you had fun talking about your hairbrush? Yes. 
Yeah, are you having fun on the radio today? Yeah. That's so great. That's so great. Has anybody approached you yet from Shark Tank or any place else to talk about it? Do you want to see this widely manufactured and available in Walgreens and CVS and on QVC? What do you think? Um, not yet, but hopefully. Hopefully. What about you, Mom, in the background? Are we going to move with this in an entrepreneurial way? Sure, if she wants to. <laughs> Definitely. <laughs> I think she could. I think that um, I totally agree that the best thing that came out of this was her confidence that she could do it. And I don't think she saw herself necessarily as a scientist or an innovator, and I think now she does. And I think her little sister watching the whole process also sees the possibility. It's beautiful. Well, thank you very much, Addison. Congratulations, Addison Marino. And Nick, thank you so much. And why don't you come on next year and tell us about more of the winners. We (laughs) really want to keep up with this. When is the next convention? Uh, The next convention will be in early June of next year. Well, we can't wait. Oh, this one was on my birthday. Yeah. That's right. I saw that. (laughs) Thank you so much for coming in. We're going to be right back with Lisa on the law. Stay tuned. We'll be right back. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at bowlandbranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Thank you for listening. If you liked what you heard, please share it with your friends. And as always, feel free to contact me at lisa at lisawexler.com.